0: ...the apartment block, a stone throw from Sherlock Holmes' reputed domicile at 221B Baker Street, where the Utsiev brothers had found a flat. At some point, relations between the Armenian and the Chechens soured. Later, England's Crown Prosecution Service insisted that Ter Organisyan had discovered that the Stinger missiles were destined for Azerbaijan to be deployed in the war against his home country, Armenia. There was a second theory that the Stingers were indeed bound for Chechnya, and that the Utsiev brothers and Te Organisyan fell out over money. What is certain is that Te Organisyan alerted senior members of the Armenian KGB to the Utsiev brothers' activities, and a couple of hitmen were dispatched from Los Angeles, the center of the Armenian diaspora in the United States, to London. The Utsiev brothers were murdered in gruesome fashion, Ruslan's body was dismembered and only discovered when it fell out of a packing case en route to the north London suburb of Harrow. Ter Organisyan is now doing life for their murders, while a co-defendant, an officer of Armenia's KGB, hanged himself at Belmarsh Prison while awaiting trial. I was appalled when reading about this case at the time, not least because I discovered that Alison and Karen's father was David Ponting a lecturer in drama at Bristol University where I had been an undergraduate. His one-man show about Dylan Thomas had made a great impression on me when I studied there. David had taught me radio production, skills I would later employ as the BBC's Central Europe correspondent. After Karen's murder, Alison accepted an offer to go into a witness protection scheme. Deprived of his children, David moved to the United States, where he worked for a while as an actor. Later, he too went underground. The Pontings were gentle and unassuming. It is hard to imagine a family less likely to be involved in a political mafia killing from the former Soviet Union. But as one of the officers involved in the Yitzhiev brothers' case pointed out at the time, we were suddenly dealing with crime and politics from a part of the world that, to be honest, none of us in the Metropolitan or Surrey police had ever heard of. We knew nothing about the wars, about the crime, and about the politics. We were, frankly, all at sea. Around the world, a new type of country was emerging, the failing state, and the fallout was visiting Britain for the first time. The post-Second World War order began to crumble in the first half of the 1980s. Its dissolution followed no obvious pattern, occurring instead as a series of seemingly disparate events. The spectacular rise of the Japanese car industry. Communist Hungary's clandestine approach to the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, to explore a possible application for membership. The stagnation of India's economy. President F. W. de Klerk's first discreet contacts with the imprisoned Nelson Mandela. The advent of Deng Xiaoping's reforms in China. Margaret Thatcher's decisive confrontation with Britain's trade union movement. Individually, these and other events seemed to reflect the everyday ups and downs of politics, at most they were adjustments to the world order. In fact, powerful currents below the surface had provoked a number of economic crises and opportunities, especially outside the great citadels of power in Western Europe and the United States, that were to have profound consequences for the emergence of what we now call globalisation. There was one development, however that had its roots firmly in America and in its primary European ally, Britain. The world was taking its first steps towards the liberalisation of international financial and commodity markets. American and European corporations and banks had begun to prize open markets that had hitherto maintained strict controls on foreign investment and currency exchange. Then came the fall of communism in 1989, first in Eastern Europe, and then in the mighty Soviet Union itself. Out of ideas, short of money, and beaten in the race for technological superiority, communism fizzled out in days rather than years. This was a monumental event, which fused with the processes of globalisation to trigger an exponential rise in the shadow economy. These huge economic and political shifts affected every part of the planet. Overall, there was a significant worldwide upsurge in trade, investment, and the creation of wealth. That wealth was, however, distributed very unevenly. Countless states found themselves cast into the purgatory that became known as transition, a territory with ever shifting borders. In these badlands,